1: Welcome in, folks, here on Big Blue Views' YouTube page and audio lineup. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Plum, and today we are bringing you some college football action, as we have been doing every single Saturday. We typically will find a specific NFL draft prospect that we believe has the potential to be on the Giants' radar within the first two rounds. It could be a draft pick for the Giants, as well as previewing some games and sharing some other prospects that are playing this weekend in key matchups that you should be on the lookout for. So today we're going to be doing Derek Stingley, the LSU corner who ended his season early with a foot injury. He had a procedure on his foot. It sounds like he's probably not going to come back. There is some possibility from when I remember reading up on the injury. That he could technically come back at the end of the season, but based on the fact that people are already saying that Ed Ogeron is probably going to be fired before the end of the season, there is also really not much to play for. So a guy like Stingley, get the procedure, start training, is probably in, in the path for him. But Chris here, Stingley is a, an interesting corner to watch. Six foot one, 190, was absolutely talented in his true freshman year during their national championship run, but has seen a bit of a regression over the past couple of years, not a complete fall off, but he has not really played up to that freshman year level. And I I think part of it comes from the, the, the injury issues that he's had over the past two seasons.
2: Yeah. I I think the injury issues are a big part of it just because they're lower body injuries. And, you know, for a cornerback, especially a cornerback who plays the type of coverages that Stingley does, you know, real aggressive press man, uh, getting in phase, running with receivers down the field, uh, really using his closing bursts to slam the door shut. Uh, Lower body injuries can be a problem. You know, they can kind of cut into the athleticism that they absolutely need to play that type of football. And also, I think there's also just regression around him as well where LSU doesn't have that insane offense like they had in 2019 with Joe Burrow and with Joe Brady calling the the offense yeah you know, they they took a step back last year they've taken a further step back this year their their defense as a whole isn't as good he's not getting as many opportunities with other quarterback making mistakes trying to keep up with LSU so I I think it's kind of a mixture of things put together, but those are the two big ones.
1: It also doesn't help that he's had, I think, three defensive coordinators in the last mm-hmm. three years. So his his defensive coordinator's first year took a, a, a head coaching job, and I forget exactly where he went. But then Bo Polini was fired, who was previously the head coach at Youngstown State, and he was a terrible defensive coordinator last year. Uh, and And now they have another guy, and if he stayed around for a fourth year, he would have had a fourth one in four <laughs> years. So it is been a a, an ever turning cycle for that defensive coordinator spot and you see the level of, of different play in his first year where he was being utilized at the level that he was you know most effective but here we are now where there is some speculation of if is he still that guy that I think everyone was saying He's a surefire top five pick. I don't think that it necessarily is the same because of those injury concerns. That doesn't mean he's not a good prospect, but kind of like what we saw with Grant Delpit a couple years ago, who was a safety for LSU. He took a step back because of some injuries and and some things like that, but he still got drafted in the second round. He just got drafted way later than I think everybody anticipated. If we're looking past some, some of that stuff though, Chris, and we're looking at the things that he does really, really well, I see a tall, long corner who is really good in man-to-man situations and overall has just such good ball skills and makes a lot of plays on the football.
2: Yeah, he he has all of the traits NFL evaluators look for. Like you said, he's tall, long, about 6'1", 190-ish. We'll see how he measures in at the combine. Uh, Occasionally, school listings kind of lie, but he was the former number one overall recruit in the country and he's got quick feet, fluid hips. He's got the speed to keep up with just about any receiver he goes up against, really good quickness. He can stay with most receivers through their routes. Uh, he gave up some catches to Devonta Smith last year when LSU played Alabama, but...
1: As everybody it, might, might, might yeah. do. <laughs>
2: and really watching that game, Stingley was in a good position on almost every single one of those catches where he was, where Smith was his responsibility. It was really just a matter of Smith making some incredible catches and Mac Jones placing the ball really, really well. So I think he's got the skill set to still be a top five, top 10 pick. The question really does come down to what do his medical reports look like? How How does the NFL feel? about him long term you know is he going to be a guy where he looks great his rookie in sophomore years and then the dings start to accumulate and you know maybe his production and play decline as he gets towards that second contract that i think is going to be the big question with regards to stingley because as far as his skill set as a pressman corner those guys are worth their weight in gold and he absolutely has that. And he's got a lot of versatility too. He can play zone. LSU even lined him up in safety sub. So in that way, he almost reminds me of Jalen Ramsey.
1: yeah, I, I can totally see a little bit of that that Jalen Ramsey. I, I like that you uh you brought that up. but the and I think specifically that that aggressive style of play that you see from him, the the highlight plays that he makes, where he he almost rips the ball away from receivers. The thing that like every time I watched him pick off a pass, it was like, oh no, why would you throw into that tight of coverage against Stingley? Like he's going to pick that off. It doesn't yeah. matter where you place the football. The dude is going to pick the ball off. You would need to be insanely precisely accurate to throw it over him. But his long arms and his mentality I think really gives him an advantage. The the good plays that Stingley makes are really freaking good. He can lock yes. dudes down and take the ball away.
2: Yeah, and that is the kind of thing you want uh, a highly drafted corner to do. Now, I think the big question is, Yeah, you know, this is a good cornerback class, or, or at least it looks like it's going to be a good cornerback class. Uh, does what is what Stingley is able to do at the catch point, his versatility, his ability in press man coverage, his aggression, does that counter his injury concerns enough to beat out Andrew Booth or Kyiri Lam out of Clemson and Florida, respectively, because th- those are two other really good cornerbacks. And you know, even going down, Ahmad Gardner uh, out of Cincinnati, it, this is a really, really good cornerback class. And you can see teams maybe looking elsewhere if they're not 100% comfortable with Stingley's medical reports.
1: And, and sadly, Chris... Typically, in, in a draft cycle like this, you you do tend to see stuff like that. It's not like it's him and then 50 miles of crap and then another guy. There are other players that were in close contention for that number one corner slot in this class, good enough to be selected within the first 15 picks. Teams are always going to value guys that played a full season and have less medical concerns. So a guy like Andrew Booth and then uh, Kyair Elam, they're going to have the advantage of playing and playing against high levels of talent to the point where it's it, they're just going to have more recent film. And not having recent film can kill guys. We saw it just kill guys from the fact that players last cycle were healthy and because of COVID they sat out. And some people dropped because of that. And in this circumstance, those injury concerns are probably going to weigh over Stingley. And it could honestly be a situation where the Giants could seriously benefit from him maybe falling out of the first round because teams are so worried about that foot. That would be highly unlikely, but he's also somebody who could be available if they're willing to look past those injury concerns towards that the Giants could draft towards the middle of the first round, depending on where where that second first round pick is for them, which right now, based on the Bears, who are outperforming what we thought that they were going to do, it could be hovering, hovering around that 15 spot.
2: Yeah, that I think that Bears pick is going to loom large with some of the guys we cover in this podcast. And I think it's also going to be really unpredictable because I just rookie quarterback, the bears have a great defense, but Justin Fields, you know, I don't think even Justin Fields knows how he's going to play from week to week. He could have a great game or he could have a terrible game. So there's going to be a lot of variance with the bears and that pick could be anywhere from, you know, the high teens to, maybe once everything's all said and done, close to the top 10.
3: Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world
1: Yeah, there's a lot of variance that can happen and and it definitely helps helps with the Giants struggles that losing out on, you know, maybe having a or losing out on making the playoffs this year and having a rough year that they do have two draft picks to fix some of these holes. It might not make the most sense right now to draft another corner, but when you're in the Giants situation where some of these other edge guys might come off the board and some of these linemen might come off the board, that second pick, whichever one is the later one, could instead be used to instead of specifically reaching on a need, but rather drafting best available to improve the quality of the roster. A guy like Stingley is going to boost your secondary. So we're always going to talk about players that are going to improve the team.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I th- the Giants are in a place right now where I think you can make an argument for just about any position. At just about any point in their draft, you know, we talked last time with Nick about, you know, maybe getting, or there may be being a really good argument for taking Kyle Hamilton if the Giants happen to be drafting in the top five, top 10 range. We could look at a cornerback, an outside cornerback like Stingley or Andrew Booth, for instance, and... You know, sorry, Aaron Robinson, but then move Dory Jackson into the slot and have James Bradbury, Dory Jackson, and then a potential top 10 cornerback pick, which, yeah, that's a lot invested in that position. But if you can have a lockdown secondary where, you know, basically everybody fits neatly into their role, it, that would definitely make things easier on the whole rest of the defense. Or we could look at getting uh, linebackers or edge players, like a Kayvon Thibodeau, maybe an Aiden Hutchinson, or you know any other one of these guys that are out there. So I, I don't think the Giants should really start looking for any position in particular, just really be pure best player available.
1: Yes, certainly best player available is going to help this roster improve, uh, especially when things are looking a little bit uh, bleak for this Giants team in 2021. Folks, we're going to talk about these games that are coming up this weekend. And there's a couple close matchups with a, a unranked team and a ranked team, especially some of these SEC games. But the two that really stood out the most to us were this Oklahoma State-Texas game and Kentucky-Georgia. Oklahoma State and Texas are playing 12 p.m. Eastern time on Fox. And then Kentucky-Georgia is going to be 3.30 Eastern time on CBS both of these games have huge implications for the remaining seasons for both squads as Texas is trying to bounce back after a a game that I think a lot of people thought they were going to (laughs) win against Oklahoma and then Kentucky Georgia Kentucky just wants to prove that they can hang with the big dogs and Georgia's just trying to say hey just because they're undefeated does not mean that they can stick around with us and prove that they're the dominant team at the top of the SEC but I have to say that the prospects that I'm going to be paying attention to the most. I think the number one off the rip is uh, uh, Darian Kennard, who is the offensive one of the offensive linemen for Kentucky. He has been fantastic so far this year. A guy who could be bumping inside to play in the interior, facing off against a, a plethora of defensive linemen for um, for. Georgia, you know, Adam Anderson and 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 all those guys that they have are really talented. So to see what Kennard can do, I think is going to be really, really important.
2: Yeah, I think this game is really going to be go-to scouting tape for Darian Kennard. He is big. I think he's 6'5", 6'6", like 345 or so. He moves well enough to have, I believe, he's got 25, 26 consecutive starts at offensive tackle for Kentucky. He's got the ability to move inside. I can't wait to get a look at him against this Georgia defensive line, which Georgia's defense has been absolutely insane this year. Yeah. They have, I I think up until their last game, they were giving up something like an average of four points a game or something ridiculous like that. And it really starts up front with their defensive line. You know, Jordan Davis is really high regarded as a prospect himself. I, I think it'd be a great battle up front. Now, pretty much everybody's expecting the game to be a blowout win for Georgia. They're last I checked 21 and a half point favorites. But I think just <laughs> between the offensive and defensive lines, that could be a great battle.
1: Yeah, it, it is really going to be um, a, a really hard fought battle. And, and there's not really like a whole lot of other players, I think, between uh, Kentucky or just on Kentucky, but Kennard is somebody who's playing right tackle right now, I believe. Massive yeah. freaking dude. You bump him inside. I think he would be a great interior player worthy of a first round selection potentially in this really, really good interior offensive line class. So I, I'm, I'm just, I haven't really had the chance to see Kennard go against a, a talented group. I don't think... I don't think anyone's had the chance to see him go against a group like this Georgia team, and a lot of offensive linemen haven't had that opportunity, so to, to see what he can do, uh, maybe prove himself a little bit, would be huge.
2: Yeah, that and that could, you know, considering the way the Giants' offensive line has looked, yeah, that could be a name to keep an eye on, and, you know, maybe a name we'll be covering at some point pretty soon.
1: Yep, certainly we'll keep him on our radar of people to go through uh folks thank you for tuning in to today's episode that is going to be it from us be sure to hit the uh, subscribe button wherever you're listening stay tuned for our post game reaction to giants rams